Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown show. A show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Today, I'm joined by Carter Brown, the founder and director of Black Trans Men Incorporated and BTAC, the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition. On April 2nd, he testified before the 116th Congressional House Judiciary Committee advocating for the Equality Act. Despite significant steps forward, LGBTQ people lack basic legal protections in all 50 states across the country. If approved by Congress, the Equality Act would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that banned discrimination based on race, religion, sex, and national origin to include sexual orientation and gender expression. The first Equality Act was developed by U.S. Representatives Bella Abzug and Ed Koch in 1974. It was reintroduced in the 114th Congress in 2015 and again in the 115th Congress in 2017, but was never passed. In March 2019, the Equality Act was jointly introduced in both the House of Representatives and Senate with the support of both Democratic and Republican members of Congress. Carter was living the American dream. He not only excelled in his career, but bought a home and settled down with his wife and newborn daughter in Texas. All that changed in an instant when he was outed by his colleagues as transgender. What followed was months of discrimination and harassment by his peers, managerial staff, and even human resources. Carter was ultimately fired simply because of who he is along with several other individuals from the LGBTQ community, Carter told his story at the hearings, explaining how not only his life, but the lives of LGBTQ Americans in 30 states are affected by discrimination because they lack protection simply because of who they love. Ironically, these hearings opened on the same day that three lesbians were elected mayor of their respective cities including Lori Lightfoot, the first African-American woman and openly lesbian mayor of Chicago. While advocating for the Equality Act, Carter and BTAC are in the midst of planning for the 8th Annual BTAC Conference taking place in Dallas, Texas, April 23rd to 28th. He's here to talk about it all. Carter, Welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? 
I'm doing great, Michelle. Thanks for having me once again. Yeah. So you have been really, really busy. Um, it was a a great joy to see you testifying before the judiciary. And I know that at BTEC, you talk about being the change that you want to see. But, you know, it's one thing to be out and about in your community. But, I mean, you're on C-SPAN, you're on all the news things. What made you, well, first of all, let's back up. Can you explain to anyone who doesn't know why the Equality Act is that important? Yeah, absolutely. The Equality Act is very important because it basically affords equal rights to everybody. So that's why it's important for everyone. Um, In summary, the Equality Act is pushing to amend the Civil Rights Act of uh, 1964 simply to include sexual orientation and gender identity as being federally protected are being a federal, federally protected laws and regulations. So that's highly important, especially for um, those of us who are a part of the LGBTQ community, as well as our families, because when discrimination happens to one of us, it has a ripple effect. Not only does it happen to us as the individuals who are being discriminated against, but we often suffer um, or our families also suffer, whether it be from direct impact of any uh, financial um, backlash that has happened from the discrimination, or even if it's just from the emotional impact that discrimination has on us, our family has to bear the weight of that along with us. So again, discrimination isn't just about one group of people, it affects everyone. And that's why the Equality Act is so important um, to provide full protections of non-discrimination for all people. You know, I thought it was ironic that the same day that the hearings opened, you had three lesbians elected mayors of cities, but Mm -hmm. in so many states, they could lose their job. The same, you know, Mm -hmm. so we can get elected, but we aren't protected all over that. And I mean, and you know, so people will think, oh, well, we've come such a long way. Look, you know, I mean, even in Chicago, the third nation's third largest city, you've got a, a lesbian mayor. But there are cities that you can get fired. I mean, you can go to another state. Your job could transfer you from state A to state B. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. might, after you get settled in, you leave that job, you know, take a new job, and they find out you're gay, and you get fired. You know, I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, I mean, the irony of it, you know, and you've done a lot of things in the trans community, you know, but this was huge, like, to, to take that step to go national. How did that come about? Who, a- who asked you, and did you have any reservation answering that call to make that testimony? Mm, well, I've been working um, with... Uh, the HRC on really pushing the Equality Act to pass in legislature uh, since 2015. Um, And that was when I originally went to D.C. and actually um, had an opportunity to tell my story um, to the the, uh, senators and and representatives at that time. Um, And of course, since then, they've been pushing 
um, their own agenda to get it to pass. And so the, when the opportunity was presented, um, as they were pushing for it this year, they originally invited me to share to uh, share my story via a video that they that they created, which was also broadcast um, maybe two weeks before I went there to testify. And um, the invitation also came from uh, both the HR, well, the HRC made the connection for an official invitation to be received from the from the uh, U.S. Judiciary Committee um, in order for me to be a witness and, and provide my testimony in support of the Equality Act. So again, that was um, <laughs> it was a very surreal experience just to receive that you know official letter from the Judiciary Committee. I mean, once you get that, you cannot say no. I I can't voice my time. I can't, you know, voice my uh, my 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 testament at this time for whatever reason, for any reason. <laughs> That's an opportunity that you don't miss, especially if you're a true to heart advocate uh, for your community, and also because I'm sharing my experience and something so simple to me um, as sharing my experience and being able to have the impact of changing lives and changing laws um, is definitely something that I wanted to to capitalize and to optimize um, with this opportunity. Um, so there, there weren't any reservations on my end because I am truly committed um, to empowering uh, the transgender community and even more so my black trans community. Um, I had no reservations about uh, going or sharing my testimony. Um, I worked very hard um, with the HRC on uh, making sure that my testimony would have the greatest impact as possible. Um, I mean, literally from the time I got off the plane at, in D.C., I went to work, you know, working on, um, uh, you know, meeting all the other witnesses and, uh, you know, uh, going over my testimony and hearing other stories as well, just to, to make sure that, you know, I was able to contribute all that I could um, in doing my part in getting that Equality Act passed. Now, you know, I I saw the video that HRC did. I saw you testify. I've heard your story. When I saw that video, I mean, it was like, I know you. I know your story. I know your family. But seeing that video, I mean, it took it to a whole nother level. And, you know, often, you know, you have people, we're not safe. People in the trans community aren't safe and so there'd be many people who would get that call and go like you know I'm doing an awful lot but you not only you know put yourself on the line I mean you showed your family what has been the feedback that you've gotten from members of the trans community how has it empowered other people to tell their stories um, well, the feedback I've gotten from the trans community has absolutely been positive. You know, I get mess direct messages from um, other people in the trans community that said, "Hey, you know, I'm going through the same thing, or I've I went through the same thing, and I really appreciate appreciate you putting yourself out there on the front line um, to be a voice for those of us who are going through this." Or, um, you know, they just feel more empowered to know that there is. Uh, a recourse of, of, of um, support in some kind of way um, on, on such a visibly uh, large scale uh, 
um, for, for the trans community, you know, and, and, and I'm saying that they see that not only to see me um, as somebody who I, I assume that they see as just they're equal. You know, I'm just a regular guy like everybody else, um, and I've experienced this. Um, but now that it's on a national platform via video, more people are engaged or uh, acknowledging that this is something that trans people go through and they don't see this, you know, see this as, oh, another one of the trans disparities of unemployment or discrimination. They see a real person, um, you know, with a real family that went through a real thing. Um, and, and that's very relevant, not only for a lot of my trans community, but I've also had a whole lot of um, positive encouragement and feedback from people who are not trans that saw the video or heard my testimony and said, you know, hey, I really appreciate you putting it, that out there. I can relate to that either as a provider for my family or I can relate to that as a black person who's gone through discrimination and was fired uh, for being black or, you know, for being Hispanic or Latino. And I've experienced this. So um, the impact of that video and just people's uh, ability to relate to that um, definitely strengthens the the uh, the the need or the the need expressed by a larger group that we need these protections, such as what the Equality Act is pushing for. And you know, I talk to people afterwards, and you know, who are like. It's not brand new. Because I tell him, like, I have talked to, as many times as I've talked to you, I've talked to Kyler Broadus uh, as equally. He lost his job when he was came out as trans. You lost your job. I mean, so it's sort of like this continuing history that trans people, trans families have been subjected to that. And so, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like, well, it's politically correct now. This is a reality that's been going on mm-hmm. for many, many years, and it's still happening today. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, and of course, you know that we heard towards the end of the testimony, there were some people, you know, who were, and you know, we know which side of the aisle they were on, who instead of wanting to talk about the whole Equality Act, because you did have other people who were talking about, like you had a couple, a lesbian couple whose child hadn't, um, they didn't want to give them service. So there's so many other things that they're doing. But you always saw them, some people want to turn back to this trans issue. And then Mm -hmm. also, and and the infamous, you know, oh, there'll be a man in the in the ladies' locker room or something mm-hmm. like that. What was your pushback to that when you, when you, or what do you say when you hear that? And are people surprised? I mean, we hear a lot about our trans sisters, but there are trans men. There are a lot of trans men who are going mm-hmm. through the same kind of, of discrimination. Did you feel that mm-hmm. you helped open that door to talk about that there's more than just trans men, that there's trans men? And what was the pushback that you that you give, not only to those people on the Judiciary Committee, but people who come up to you now who say, well, what about that bathroom issue? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, to be direct about the, uh, the question of the pushback or the uh, opposition in the actual uh, testimony, their primary point was literally about protecting women in women's sports 
Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, really, you know. Yeah, and, and of course, the, the default of the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my pushback to that was, one, thank goodness that all trans people aren't athletes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. And and then with the, with the uh, bathrooms, I clearly shared my experience that, you know, when I was outed as being transgender or it was known that I was transgender, I was the one who was discriminated against and harassed in bathrooms. Never once did I go in with the intent to harass or discriminate against anyone. I simply went to utilize the facilities, wash my hands and leave like most people. And I could testify as a direct person or or as a person that works directly with the trans community. That's no one's motivation in transitioning is so that they can, you know, perpetrate a crime in the bathroom. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. However, I'm very familiar with, you know, uh, uh, instances and experiences of trans people, both men and women, who don't feel safe when they go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. We need protections also. Who's going to protect us for being safe in the bathrooms? Who's going to protect us in the locker rooms if we do want to play sports? Um, And so, you know, that's pretty much my pushback that everybody needs to feel safe. Everybody needs to feel protected and everybody needs equal access to be able to pursue whatever their dreams are, whether it be to play sports or whether it be to work in corporate America or whether it be to, you know, simply be an artist and have their work be just as valued as anyone else. Um, it's, it's, it's was pretty much my feet, my, uh, my pushback for that. You know, and it's funny that, that, that you know, like, Okay, so now they're all about women. Okay, all right, you're all about protecting women. Okay, don't get me started on what's happening with Title IX money for women's sports just in general. You don't support that. You haven't supported women, but now you're going to be like the men in white knights, you know, you have to protect these, these frail women, you know, because of this. And it's just like such foolishness. The other thing that I, you know, I mean, it's just like, amazing to me that that's the card that they always want to go back in and pull it out when you see that most of the people who are doing things in the bathroom are heterosexual men yeah absolutely absolutely you know and and it's and you know aside from the whole political thing if we're talking about you know prioritizing protecting our women let's start at home Mm-hmm. You know, because most women that I know that have been victims of any kind of sexual assault or uh, molestation or any sort of sex crime, it happened either at home or someone from the home, someone in the family, someone at the school, someone at the church. But seldom have uh, I've never met a woman that said I was assaulted in the bathroom by a transgender woman. Mm-hmm. Never. Um, however, this is a huge uh, problem that we have to address as a society. I mean, we have da- we have generations of women who are damaged as victims. Well, I won't say damaged, but who have been traumatized as victims of uh, sexual crimes. And then we we you know these same politicians that were opposing the Equality Act for the sake of protecting women were majority or most of the same politicians that had previously voted against uh, violence against women and what they were doing there, um, women's equal pay. So it's absolutely not about up, up 
upholding women or uplifting women to oppose the Equality Act is simply about anti-transness and transphobia and continuing to spread fear and continuing to divide um, and all just a part of the grand scheme of those who don't want to see the country united. Because we're talking about overall, there's more states, there's 30 states that do not um, have any protections for gender identity or sexual orientation of the 50 states in D.C. So, you know, over half our country is basically we're split and, and divided. We're not a United States of America if we're not protecting all the citizens that are in these states. Um, and so, you know, we have the people in power continuing to divide us. That is that itself is a violent act. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so I, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get a little, um, my adrenaline starts flowing because I, 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 I'm recalling being in that moment and hearing, you know, quietly listening to these politicians uh, say all these things that are uneducated um, and, and simply a ploy to spread fear to those who those uh, the other people who are uneducated about trans identity um and then they talk about biology you know it's all about biology and it's it's not fair that um you know a a cisgender woman versus a transgender woman and and if you know if they want to compete and so forth and so on okay well then create a lane for us but either way anybody and everybody should be afforded access to pursue their dreams, their goals, whatever that may be, without discrimination. And, you know, and the thing was, I mean, you were there. I mean, they had a number of people who were there talking about a variety of things that members of the LGBTQ community, how we're discriminated against. And the fact mm-hmm. that, that that's there, well, you know, let, let's play that card one more time. And how mm-hmm. often do we want to say, you know, that's just you know, crap, you know, we're just really tired of hearing that and, you know, and trying to make a wedge issue because I think that many of them are also recognizing that there are women voters and they're hoping that many of the same ones who, who put the current administration in there will hear these same stupid arguments and buy into that somehow over there protecting women, you know, which is just like foolishness, Mm -hmm. you know. So, on the heels of that, you know, and today is the day that the trans ban on and the military goes into effect. And, you know, I don't understand that, you know. Um, what, what, what do you talk to? I mean, do you hear from trans people who are in the military, who are thinking about going into the military? How is it affecting overall the com- you know the community and you know I mean this is a huge slap in the face to me I mean Absolutely. I mean just a huge slap in the face and as BTAC and as you're talking with trans people um, if the Equality Act you know we've got that one thing but then we we're, we pass if that goes through but then we still have a trans band what can we do what can we do to change these these things? I heard one thing where they said, well, older people 
think it's a good thing to have a, a, a ban on transgender people in the military where younger people, you know, don't. But, you know, waiting for them to all die off is not an op- option. How do we right, right. how do we change these hearts and minds? How do we move this? Right. Well, I, honestly, Michelle, I, I, I think that it's, it's going to take, obviously, more of us voicing, um, you know, how it affects us or the impact of that. But as well, we need allies. I mean, you know, we can talk until we're blue in the face as trans people or as LGBTQ people, but we remain the minority. We remain the minority in um, where the policies and laws are made. So we have to have more allies. And, you know, I don't just mean allies as in people who are okay with gays and lesbians and trans people are people who, you know, have kids that are gay and lesbian, so they're okay with it and educated about everything. I mean, people that are going to vote for these things, people who are going to lobby with us, people who are going to march with us, people who are going to, you know, do social media campaigns with us to whoever the powers are that are supporting this military ban. And the impact that I've heard, it, it's, I personally am not a military veteran, um, but the impact of individuals in the trans community that have shared with me is absolutely a slap in the face. You have people who have done years of service, mm-hmm. who have committed their lives for their country, who says you are not good enough to give your life for your country. That is the, the greatest slap in the face I could even imagine. Um, you know, and then you have people who are in current, who are currently serving in the military that now feel totally misplaced, you know, and unwelcomed or as if they have to hide who they are. And this is their livelihood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not only, you know, anybody who enrolls in the military, in my view, is is has a level of commitment um, that I do not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to put it simply, you know, I'm not willing to um, do a lot of the things that the military may require you to do. Um, and so for someone to have that not only says that they have uh, a, a, a heart of commitment and loyalty to a cause, it also says that they're they're um, a person who's who's has self-discipline, a person who's learned to be organized, a person who's learned to be a team player. And all of these are wonderful qualities for any citizen to have, for any employee to have, for any entrepreneur to have. So, you know, transgender people um, that are of military service, either past, current, or potentially future, to have those qualifications in that character of a person I mean, that, that's a testament that we're talking about, you know, upstanding citizens and you're simply going to ban them simply because of their gender identity is absolutely ludicrous. And again, goes into fear mongering, hate and divisiveness via transphobia. Legal transphobia is what we're pushing here. We're mm-hmm. pushing legal hate. We're pushing legal discrimination. And, you know, what can we do? <laughs> you know, I, it's uh, it's very mind boggling and, it, and it's very heartbreaking. And it's, um, you know, I, I just wish that we are. I just wish that we can start to be seen as humans, individuals, you know, because if we were to say, oh, we're going to put a, a, a ban on 
all black people from the military. Mm-hmm. There would be an uproar. There would be an absolute uproar. And, and you know, that's all the same. As, and I'm not going to go backwards in conversation, but in, in relevancy with the Equality Act, um, that that's, you know, a point that I had as well. If we were to replace transgender or gender, gender identity with black, it would be absolutely unacceptable in this day and age, you know, which is a, a very... Uh, the meat of why the Civil Rights Act was passed in order to provide equal access and protections and opportunities for black people and all of the non-white people. Um, and so if we were to, you know, if we were to say uh, we won't allow, they're not allowing blacks in sports to play with the white people, what happened when we did mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. The whole Pro era, it was absolutely unacceptable. And it, and it all was promoted at that time due to fear. We won't have black black kids playing with our white kids because they'll, you know, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. We can't have black people using the same bathrooms as white people because blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and it's pretty much the same thing or that's how it feels as a trans person. Um, that you're just excluded from society or you're treated as less than or you need to go through the back door or you need to use this little shabby bathroom over mm-hmm. here or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately it's what? The black people just wanted to use the bathroom after all. They just wanted to drink from the water fountain after all. They didn't want to assault, you know, anyone in the bathroom or they didn't want to, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, yeah, so it's kind of the same thing here with the military, you know, where they would, but I would say at least with the military, at, at when there, there was discrimination against black people, it was more of a separate, um, separate, <laughs> I won't even say separate, but equal, but more along those lines mm-hmm. where they at least had black people in the military, they just had to be off to, they had to be segregated um, to themselves. Here we're saying trans people are not even good enough to be in the military, not even for us to use them as, uh, the frontliners mm-hmm. are the, the the people that are usually sacrificed first um, in in a battle, and that is um, that's honestly I know, I know the news just happened today, and I honestly haven't even processed my emotions and feelings about it all. Um, but you know, just on this note, I just really want to you know take a moment to send a word of encouragement to the trans community that you know one step forward can sometimes be two steps back. Um, and I personally understand, you know, the emotional, financial impact of the livelihood that this may have on a lot of uh, my trans community. But to just stay encouraged, you know, the fight never ends. And mm-hmm. this is just one more thing that we have to keep um, pushing for because, you know, just soaking in our emotions is not going to resolve anything. So let's just keep our heads clear, um, you know, and, and stay in the fight. We're going to take a short break in our conversation with Carter Brown, the founder and director of Black Trans Men Incorporated and BTAC, the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition. You're listening to Collections by Michelle Brown, and we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership 
with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. we're back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, talking about the Equality Act, the transgender ban in the military, and the upcoming BTAC conference being held in Dallas, Texas. Our guest is Carter Brown. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I, I had to wrap my head around how I'm going to say this. You know, we know that racism isn't dead and there has been a systemic part of racism that's been sort of like built in like for a long time in this country but you know I also see that and that we have to do a lot to break it down and change it but the same thing I see with gender identity and sexual orientation because it's so like there's this culture around it you have Rather than being happy to have a healthy baby, it's like, well, what's the gender of it? So, you know, and we we have to have these big reveals and the cake is this kind. So we're already putting our children into these silos even before they're born. And so it's almost like, just like we still need to continue to have conversations about racism and recognize that it's still there. It's better but that we're doing, like you said, a lot of it is the same thing. When we we put all this this mental and social activity on putting our kids into a box before they even get here. Right. Yeah. And do you see, because I remember um, one of the things, the first time that I met you, it was like we saw... You were showing this film, and it had to do with um, parenting and transparenting, transparenting, which really made me think, you know, it really broke a box open with me about parenting. And we've got a long way to come with parenting. We have a long way to come with child rearing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that this is one of the things with with you. You also, you know, and I'm going to try to segue into BTEC. That you do this thing at BTEC, is this things that are coming um, out more, that people are talking about parenting and mm-hmm. our children? And some people say, who was it? Dwayne Wade's son was like 11, someone. Oh, he can't know. Yes, you can know. You know, yeah. you know I've talked to so many people who, if they're lucky, their parents recognize that when their child says, you know, Mom, Dad, I think I'm a boy. You know, I know you think I'm a little girl, but I'm a boy. Or vice versa, you know, I'm your daughter. The lucky ones have a parent who do that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of kids don't, and they still don't. Right. How has BTAC, as it's evolved, gone to take into the, this, this, you know, they're coming out younger. You know, we're mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about 
parenting differently? How have you evolved to address this new reality? Mm-hmm. Um, simply by, you know, the visibility and the, the education about gender identity uh, versus sex. Mm-hmm. And I say sex in, in, in the form of biology. Um, and as a parent, as a transparent, I see an opportunity not only to educate my child, but parental guidance overall for generations um, under us, our next generations. There's an opportunity to, to totally either deconstruct the social construction of gender or or rebuild it um, to be inclusive and more open-minded. Um, and, and again, as a transparent, my wife and I, it's utterly important to us that gender is taught to our daughter as something that is a social construct. Mm-hmm. And people have the freedom to just be. It's really not even about gender. You know, and, and as you were saying, a lot of people, when we see that the younger the younger people or the younger uh, generation coming into their gender identity and adults say, well, there's, there's no way they can know that by now. Absolutely it is. You know, it, it, obviously they aren't transgender if they're saying that mm-hmm. and haven't experienced it. But as a trans person, no, I didn't know I was transgender because it wasn't a visible thing. I didn't know what transgender was. But at a very young age, according to what I was taught about what boys do and what girls do, yes, I identified more with what boys do. So I equate that to I feel more like a boy than a girl. Mm-hmm. Overall, I just feel like myself, you know, Mm -hmm. if I have to go into what I was taught and how I feel and coming into my and coming into my identity based on what adults have taught me, then, yes, I feel that my identity is more of a boy. Um, My daughter, she's now 10 years old and just watching a child grow and find their own identity and character and personality is a very amazing um, thing. And just with her, um, we since she was a, a baby, we've always tried to promote gender-neutral things, colors, toys. You know, we'd get her a doll in a truck. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we'd get, you know, pink and blue blankets. We'd get yellow. You know, all these things and just see what she gravitates to more. And she just gravitates more to um, what society would identify as feminine things even hyper-feminine. She's very into pink. She's very into, you know, fashion and Mm -hmm. and dolls and makeup and uh, things like that. You know, she doesn't want to uh, be very physically active as we would think little boys do um, and things like that. And that's just who she is as a person. And she's never once, and because those things just happen to align with what is considered what a little girl does or what is feminine, then she knows I'm a girl, mm-hmm. but had it been the opposite, then she too may feel or see that she identified with a different gender. Another thing that I think is really awesome BTAC is doing is um, for our family day at our BTAC conference, that's an opportunity for trans kids to, I mean, it, one, it's a family day, so we have trans parents and we have parents of trans kids um, all coming out and being together and, and just you know, um, having a wonderful time being free as ourselves. 
Um, but that what I saw what I saw happen last year was really amazing in that I saw my daughter playing with um, another young person who identified as a, a trans girl. I believe she was maybe eight, mm. um, but had not eight or ten, I believe. Um, but she she had not transitioned physically. Um, and so when when the uh, when the parental figure introduced the young lady to us, uh, she said, "You know, this is Olivia." Um, you know, of course, to lead that 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 child identifies as transgender because they did not were not going through any physical transition because the parent was not supportive of that. Mm. Um, and so my daughter pulled me over on a little side conversation, and she said, "Daddy, I thought that was a boy." And, you know, again, I simply explain, well, yes, sweetie, but remember, transgender is, you know, when someone um, is born with the biological sex of male or female, but their gender identity is different. So, yes, Olivia was born, you know, biologically a boy, but Olivia um, identifies as a girl. And so she just simply said, oh, okay, and went to play with Olivia. Mm. You know, it, it's, the issue is only as big as we make it. You know, but if I'd have gone into, don't go into the bathroom with Olivia because we don't know what may happen, then she would probably be a fear, you know, fearful of that for no reason at all. I don't know what Olivia's motivation is, you know, when she goes to the bathroom, but I'm sure it's not to harm my daughter, you know. Yeah, it's just Right. So once once we as adults take the responsibility of normalizing simply human behavior and simple uh, human characteristics can vary on the spectrum. You know what I'm saying? Our gender characteristics can vary on a spectrum. You know, we can have masculine women, we can have feminine boys and we can have transgender people and it all be okay, then that's when we'll actually evolve as a society as a whole. Um, but I definitely believe that the transgender community is taking the reins on reconstructing what gender identity is simply by us being visible um, in so many arenas and platforms um, and everybody sharing different stories and experiences uh, definitely gives an opportunity for people to see a variety of a community of people. Now, I have a question. Now that, you know, you're doing this and here you are. I mean, and you're and you're always doing things. But did you have a conversation with your daughter as to why it's important that dad is going to Washington to talk about this? Did you talk to her about it and then also help her understand, you know, that this is something that in her life that she should be fighting for, you know, not fighting for, but, you know, why it's important to stand up in, in equ- for equality. But did you have a conversation like, you know, okay, this is why Dad went here, and this is why Dad's talking to these people? Um, no, I did not have a direct conversation mm-hmm. about that specific um, thing. However, you know, she's with us quite often mm-hmm. with our work, and she um, does follow a lot of the work that we do. And so, you know, if you were to interview her, she could tell you. You say, what does your dad do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's got to tell you, though, know, he, he's the founder of Black Trans Black Trans Advocacy Coalition, and, you know, they, they fight for equality for transgender people. So she absolutely understands that. Now, what the level of a 10-year-old's understanding is, I'm not sure because mm-hmm. that's not something that I had to um, 
the, the privilege of knowing or, or the um, act of having to process as a 10 year old uh, something so complicated as gender identity and how it impacts people's lives. But um, she is aware, I would say, on a basic scale of uh, transgender identity and the importance of everyone having equal rights. Because when we talk um, as a family, uh, or even as one-on-one daddy and daughter, we talk about all kinds of things. I'm, and and I and I'll go ahead and brag and say that I'm the favorite parent. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the one that she comes to to talk about everything, you know, with her friends, and um, you know, sometimes she'll even just pull up on me and say, "So, daddy, tell me something." that I can use in life. Like, you know, tell me mm-hmm. some life skills and mm-hmm. I'm digging in my, you know, I'm digging in my bank, giving her some wisdom or whatever. But, uh, she, she definitely, you know, again, she understands transgender identity and along with teaching that, you know, that everyone should be equal. We also talk about, um, race and we talk about, um, different religions and things like that. So, um, you know, just having, or just, implementing or trying to promote equality for all people across all things i feel um if she grasps them then that's definitely going to make her a better uh person that will eventually you know when she's old enough to advocate um she'll be able to to have a strong stance and fight for people and that's very important to me you know regardless of all the work i do for the community or what you know the nation they see in a testimony what's most important to me is the impact and the, the legacy that i leave with my daughter and mm-hmm. with my family mm-hmm. and so if that can be made then i feel that my job is done you know so i tell you you know um my most endearing thing that 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 you've ever told me was about the day when you first took her to school and she told you that you could let go of her hand she had it you know she was going to and it was just like oh you know that's that's your family that's your that's your heart and that just makes me I always think about that and whenever I look at and I see a picture of you and SB and her I just go like wow well I'm we're gonna switch um roles right now because I'm not trying I'm I'm I don't want to keep you real long because you know you got a lot going on but I do want to talk about BTEC okay okay so all right what we're taking our second break here on collections by Michelle Brown and when we come back we'll be talking with Carter about this year's BTEC conference being held in Dallas Texas Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode.
we're back talking with Carter Brown about BTEC's 8th Annual Conference being held in Dallas, Texas. You're listening to Collections by Michelle Brown. Okay, so BTEC is coming, okay? Yes. And this is the 8th anniversary, right? Yes. Okay, so it's growing, it's really growing, and oh, I know that that, that you your yeah. role has changed. But what's different about BTEC this eighth anniversary year? Um, so our theme this year, one, um, um, it, it, you see, I have so many emotions running through me when you talk about <laughs> BTEC. <laughs> I decide for what I'm gonna say first. Okay, so our theme this year is to to level up. And elevate the revolution. All right. And we came, and we came with that theme with acknowledgement of it being our eighth year. And in numerology, um, eight. And each year we pretty much base the theme around the year of it. Um, so the eighth, or the number eight, signifies new beginnings. It signifies coming full circle um, and fresh starts. And that is absolutely what it feels like. Um, as our eighth year, we feel like we've learned a lot on, um, you know, as far as business-wise and programming, we've learned a lot about what the community needs are, what the community wants when we come together as a black trans community with our allies and our families. Um, and so the programming this year is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, we have more attendees registered now than we've ever had. Um, yeah, and we have a really, really strong team of, uh, you know, staff and committee members who are going to be conducting these workshops and helping to execute the conference. We have some really great and strong volunteers, not just, um, our group, but we also have, you know, collaboratives from other organizations giving volunteers and, uh, you know, our allies that are just reaching in to see where they can help, you know, do you just need me to stuff bags or can I do anything? You know, whereas it's it's so much, Michelle, that it it just feels, it feels very fulfilling. Um, And then it also feels like a blank slate. So that's a very exciting feeling like, you know, that we've, we've made many accomplishments, but then that there's so we also see that there's a whole new page and so many more things that we want to do. Um, anyway, back to detail. Okay. But <laughs> you know what? But you yeah. know what? In watching, it is. It's like it's been like a growth as you see each year mm-hmm. and what people are doing and and taking you know more control and being involved in it. But also mm-hmm. people who are going that you see the growth. I mean, you really right, see the right. growth each and every year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we not only see the growth as far as, you know, numerically in attendance, but you can see the growth in the people that are repeat BTAC visitors. I mean, even if you just see one person, uh, I mean, if you see a person that just went once, then they'll probably say, oh, I had a, 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 an amazing time and, you know, it was so refreshing for my soul to be among these people and get so much empowerment and things like that. But if you witness a person that has gone to BTAC for numerous years, you see a person whose confidence has grown. You see a person who's most likely stepped into leadership. You see a person who's, you know, just 
feels more empowered and connected to community who, who can, you know, have confidence in their voice and their experience, who feels pride in their identity as a black trans person, whereas before they may not have. Um, so it's it's definitely, you know, it, it, it's an event and it's just a conference, but it is so much more that you just have to experience in order to understand it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the proud papa, as you sit back and and see somebody step up and they're, they're doing something that maybe back in the day, it was you and Espy running around crazy trying to do it all. And now you see people who are stepping up and they're bringing new ideas and things. Do you sit back and sometimes like like that proud dad and, and, and look at, at, at the growth and look at these people and see who they've become? I do, I absolutely do. And then, you know, as you stated earlier, the, the generations of trans people that are uh, visible and involved in the community is getting so much younger um, every year. So I'm always excited to see the new faces and the younger generations come um, and, and how they've evolved from when I started being a part of the community, um, which wasn't very long ago. I mean, you know, if you talk to Lewis or Kyla or Monica or mm-hmm. someone who's in there, vet in, in trans advocacy, I'm sure they would have, you know, an even greater story of how much things have evolved. But just for example, um, you know, we had a couple of uh, young trans men uh, that came to the conference last year, and, you know, they're gay, they're together. Um, and when I began doing work in the, in the trans community, that was like a taboo. You know, to say that you're a trans man and you're gay, that was like this whole macho masculinization thing. And, you know, a lot of our, you know, I'm just speaking from the trans masculine perspective, a lot of our, a lot of our ideas about masculinity were absorbed from, you know, toxic heterosexual um, images of what masculinity should be, mm-hmm. especially a black man should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that is not supposed to be gay, not supposed to be weak, not supposed to be emotional, not supposed to blah, 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 blah. Um, and so BTMI, when we were created, that was one of my main goals was to liberate young men from this mindset of who you have to be and to understand that the transition should be something that liberates you, not puts you into a whole nother constricted um rules of what you must do in order to engage in masculinity, you know? Um, and so just to see that young, you know, men came to the conference and they were openly, uh, gay, that alone was like, um, you know, just a visible testament of how we are evolving, um, as a trans community. Um, you know, and that's just one example, but, you know, just, just to see the younger generations, another great thing that I'm very proud of is uh, a couple of young people that are now a part of our, our team who started the gender non-conforming, we now have a, a uh, gender non-conforming, non-binary group. Mm-hmm. Just that it's like we have black trans men and black trans women. We also have BTXI. And again, that was something that I couldn't do, but it took for, you know, uh, the younger generations that have the fire behind them and, you know, that identify and are more educated about that form of gender identity to come in and say, okay, you know, all I can do is create the space, mm-hmm. but I can't address the issues because I, I don't experience them. You know, that's just like when white people try to create space for quote unquote POC 
and then you know they can't fill in the blank exactly um and so that's kind of the thing here we recognize for the past few years that we do have gender non-conforming black black uh people that feel that they have no place and so you know all we could do is create the space and then it took for you know our younger generations to step in and say you know hey as a gender non-conforming person you know this is what we need and this is what you know uh some of our disparities are, or this is what we would like to see in a space that's created for us. And so it's going to be an absolutely amazing conference this year because we have lots, and I do mean lots, of gender nonconforming black people coming, and that's, oh, that is so amazing to me, um, that they found a home, you mm-hmm. know, with us. That's really great. Um, the, the uh, you know, we have a lot more trans women stepping into leadership for the uh, BTWI, the trans men, of course, um, we're always leading um, in every way with the conference as well as our community outreach and work. And so, you know, that it's very encouraging to see the involvement of the community um, because of the impact of BTEC. And I absolutely am very, very proud of all the work that we've done um, over the years. And that includes, you know, Everybody from the beginning, you know, I started with a whole other group of people um, supporting the vision who may have, you know, gone off to do other things, but it takes everybody. Everyone's contribution is, is what has made BTAC what it is today. And so I'm very, very proud of that, and I'm very grateful to my community because it took all of us to speak up for ourselves, and now we have this, you know, this huge platform, and we have the attention of the world. And so it's very important for us in this eighth year that we do level up mm-hmm. and elevate our and elevate the revolution. You know, it really is. So I know you're going to the ranch. Yes. Going to the <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like that. That is a, you know, that's the part, you know, like when I close my eyes and I think about it, I'm thinking about that ranch and I'm thinking about, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking about that, that, that family day. And now you've yeah. given me more things that, to think about. And um, what else is going to go on? I know you, you always have uh, the Black Diamond Ball. Mm-hmm. So we always have the Black Diamond Ball. It's going to be amazing this year. It has like a Black Panther theme. Ooh. That's going to be awesome. And then we have, uh, of course, we have Pageant is always one of one of our uh, best events. And the most prestigious is the uh, Awards Gala. Mm-hmm. That's going to be phenomenal. But something new, we got something new this year that we're all excited about. Um, we're going to have, as a part of our open mic, which is Trans Manifest, we're also incorporating um, Strut. A runway show. Oh. Um, yeah, Mr. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeZorn with GV Talent Management. Mm-hmm. He is bringing um, uh, the fashion show to BTAC. And everybody's all excited about it. That's something that we haven't had. Um, it's something that we don't get to see often in the black trans community. I mean, we're aware of uh, black trans models, but we don't get to see or be involved in that. Um, and so, so people are very excited. One, because DeJorn, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, DeJorn Gutierrez, but he's a phenomenal young man. When we mm-hmm. talk again about the younger generations and how they're really making an impact. He is definitely a mover and a shaker. Um, he's a professional trans model. And then he also started his own uh, trans modeling talent agency. Mm. And so, yeah, and so we're going to have um, him featured, 
with his talent uh, this year, and that's going to be um, something new and amazing, and we're hoping to grow to uh, make that a part of BTAC ongoing as well. Um, another really wonderful and new thing that we're doing this year is we've built an ally track, and this is uh, a couple of workshops that we're offering to our, our allies, organizations, groups, uh, potential sp- sponsors, donors, um, and non-black people, non-black trans people overall, who do want to be allies of the black trans community and sometimes just feel that they don't, don't know quite where they could fit in or you know what they could do. So what we're taking the time to do with these workshops is um, one, just identify with them everything, you know, who we are and everything that we do and how they can get involved. Another another really great, um, impactful workshop that I'm looking forward to uh, that Treshawn and I will be doing is um, is uh, inclusion without tokenization. Mm. And this is um, this workshop is going to uh, really propel change in a great way to all that attend. I personally have invited many of the um, connections that I made as I travel mm-hmm. um, and as I go to other conferences who are promoting, creating a space for POC and they ask me to come in um, and help out with that and what my experience was with that, you know, and, and being able to give the feedback um, in this way, I think it's going to be really great because um you know, like I said, sometimes we have, you know, non-black trans people who want to um, support the movement or who want to basically just uh, have inclusion of people of color in their programming and events, but often, you know, fail to meet the mark, unknowing to them or not with, uh, not with, with, with intention. Mm-hmm. You know, just due to lack of effort. So when we're talking about you know tokenizing, then we're 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 really want to break down what that looks like. And, you know, what is diversity versus inclusion? Because you can't just you know bring a few black people and then say you know well, we got some black faces in the crowd. That's it. We hit the mark. We're diverse now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're not actually addressing that individual's contribution. Okay, so what is their skill set? What can they offer? You know, or, you know, they came here because they need something. What are you giving to them that they need, you know, as a community member, et cetera, et cetera. So we really want to have um, those conversations that we often shy away from when it comes to race and gender identity. But um, having this conversation with people who want to be educated, people who want to support, um, it's going to be very exciting for us. And it's going to be an open discussion where, you know, they can freely express, um, you know, how they feel and what they don't understand and what they believe in a safe space and in a place where we all have the same goal um, of being inclusive and uh, caring for the needs of the trans community. You know, and that and that's so important, you know, that, you know, and how do we become allies? Because there is and to talk about race, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. It's really a, a really big problem, you know, and it's something you do. I have a question. Do you do you have any track that deals with people with disabilities who are also trans? We don't have a track, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that is something that we're we're growing and developing because we do have a brother um, that is his. We have a brother on our on our team, and that is his platform is mm-hmm. speaking up for trans people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as he's experienced it and as he lives it. Um, but again, you know, that's one of the things where we can create the space, but we can't create the programming because we don't know exactly what mm-hmm. the needs of those people are. But again, as we get more people coming to the conference, that adds to the uh, to the variety of experiences um, that we all have. It, and so I'm looking forward to uh, developing that track here very soon. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Is SP working less? <laughs> or is she still uh, running, you know, on top of everything? I mean, she's done so much. She does so much to make it happen every year. Um, I know you've got a team. Now, is are, are people stepping in to help her do that, help her in those administrative areas? Uh, SB <laughs> is still... <laughs> SB is still the... the brain of the operation. That's my girl. That's my girl, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how she does it with Shell. I mean, she's a, she's an octopus. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, a lot of things that she's responsible for, um, you know, a lot of the things she's responsible for, she chooses to be, as in, you know, wanting to take ownership mm-hmm. of uh, those particular things so that they don't, so they're done the exact way they need to be done Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of things a lot of her duties we desperately want to relinquish (laughs) to Mm -hmm. someone else um who can step in and help out and so you know as i'm traveling and doing a a lot of uh things abroad for btac i've been making some really really great connections with uh you know again allies um as well as trans people who want to step into some of the media roles where we need volunteers to be and so i'm looking forward to you know this program year that we will have more um help and assistance with you know planning and grant writing and um you know some of the things that we need that can be done by other people or that we can get other people to help us with and sort of alleviate sb from doing those duties because currently you know she's dirt official title is business developer but that includes she has to develop the program she has to write the program mm-hmm. um she has to seek funding for the program um and all of those things as well as just the daily um administrative things so those are really major things that we're looking to get help on um and, and you know help is on the way absolutely so again with this being the eighth year eighth year in a, in a new start um everything's aligned for us i, I mm-hmm. honestly believe that and you know we're about to propel into a whole nother level um of advocacy and empowerment and just love for our community well you know she's my queen you know that's that's the queen you know <laughs> uh, she's a queen oh, yeah. i mean i have huge respect for her i mean she's just amazing so I see that you're going around. There's chapters everywhere, and everyone will come together in Dallas. But I see that I see you're in all these different cities. How many different cities are are there BTEC chapters in now? Currently, we have BTEC in six cities, mm-hmm. and again, that's uh, Texas, Kansas, uh, Philadelphia, the DMV area, mm-hmm. and. Uh, oh, we're also going to start one in Florida here soon. But we also have uh, California. I'm missing someone. Oh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to start.
start one in Florida uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're having, it's, there's going to be a lot of fun, but I know that there you always tackle some serious issues. What's on the front burner this year as your, the serious, the agenda item? I know that you've talked about becoming the change um, and, mm-hmm. and becoming more active. That's been one of the things that you've moved along each year. What is what's the the hot button issue that you're really going to focus in on with everyone, besides all the good times? <laughs> um, well, uh, the, our, our hot button issues are usually talked about at our Black Trans Community Summit, and that's because those are the the hot topic issues are addressed there because it gives an opportunity for the entire community to weigh in on on. Um, their opinion or their experiences of whatever the topic is, and then also to collectively create an action plan on how we can um, deal with those things. So um, some hot topic issues, we'll have a few um, this year, but some main things will be just about leadership as Mm -hmm. a black trans person navigating that in predominantly white spaces. Um, You know, now that you're at the table, what are you gonna say? Or now that you're at the table, you know, are you being heard? Um, and so, really learning how to implement our leadership and, and recognize opportunities missed um, when there is an opportunity. I'm sorry, recognize opportunities missed for having a seat at the table and taking leadership. Um, and then, of course, we'll talk about um, that includes tokenization and I, I I've also invited um, non-black trans people to be a part of that that particular community summit so that they can also hear black voices on being tokenized and what that experience looks like for us and how that feels for us mm-hmm. um, and then um, the other community summit is generally topics that are drawn from community feedback so we want to talk about things like misogyny Mm. in the trans community you know we want to talk about um navigating uh dating safely in the trans community Mm -hmm. so you know there's a plethora of topics that we're talking about Mm -hmm. um that the community has brought forward that we want to talk about or that we feel are a priority for us as black trans people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well carter um i'm gonna let you go because I know you've been you've been on the go and you've got a bit it, it's coming. I am so proud of you. I mean, I looked at you. You would have thought, you know, I'm I'm sitting there. I watched it on TV. I watched the, the video on my phone. I'm just I'm cheesing from ear to ear. That's kind of that's kind of. Oh, not everybody know. I mean, I'm so proud of you. And I know you're doing what you're doing. And but it is, and you know that it's important. But I'm gonna tell you that visibility is so important and seeing you as a black trans man a family person you told our stories and i mean i was just so proud of you and you made me feel good (laughs) well awesome thank you so much i sincerely say thank you i mean you have been so supportive and encouraging since day one and, you know, like I said, it takes all of us. So the contributions that you've made to really, you know, share the, the, the work of what we're doing and, you know, share the enthusiasm um, has, has definitely 
been a great contribution, and I can't thank you enough, Michelle. I, I enjoy talking to you every time. It's not like, you know, a, a stiff-collared interview. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just talking to family. So I, I love mm-hmm. talking to you every time and um, enjoy seeing the growth that you've made as well. I mean, with your show and the, and the various things that you're involved with mm-hmm. um, is also an inspiration to me. So I just... You know, I want to say thank you to you as well, and uh, keep doing a great job with the work you're doing, Michelle. It takes all of us. <laughs> okay. Okay, but right now, I want you to rest, relax, and just no, keep... No, I won't be doing any of that until after <laughs> Well, okay, well, rest and relax after it's over, but I know you're busy. I appreciate you making the time for me. I, and, you know, I love you to pieces. Absolutely. I love you too, Michelle. Thank you so much again for uh, having me on tonight. Okay, hug the family for me. I want to thank today's guest, the founder and director of Black Trans Men Incorporated and BTAC, the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition, Mr. Carter Brown. On April 2nd, he testified before the Congressional House Judiciary Committee advocating for the Equality Act. If approved by Congress, the Equality Act would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to include sexual orientation and gender identity. BTAC 2019, the National Black Trans Advocacy Conference and Awards Gala, is taking place in Dallas, Texas, April 23rd to 28th. The theme of this eighth annual conference is Level Up, Elevate the Revolution. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.